listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for staying with us today. We've got a special guest in the studio with us. He, we've got Eric Thompson with Oregon Homeworks. He's a local builder, a new construction remodeler of Rummer Homes. And uh, this year he's got one on the tour of remodeled homes. So if you're interested in that, it's March 14th and 15th. Get your tickets now. You can go uh, visit 13 homes this year and meet and look at the quality of all of the builders on the tour. So if you're serious about finding a contractor, this is the tour. Remodel Tour Portland. That's the website. Remodel Tour Portland. You can get your tickets there March 14th and 15th. That's uh, when that's happening. It's a great opportunity. So tell us um, tell us a little bit about what are the things that make your company successful? What are your some of your key things that you feel like um, set you apart from your competition? No, I appreciate the uh, that question, the opportunity to talk about it. Really, what we focus on, and it's what we're passionate about, is the architecture. I'd say we are extremely architectural and design-centric. Maybe a little bit uh, form over function to a fault, right? You know, we love making beautiful, almost museum pieces, houses that you would see perhaps in a Dwell magazine or an architectural digest, but doing them with something, you know, in a, in a fashion that somebody can afford here in Portland. Our tagline is design smart, build right, live well. Mm. And I think that's really exactly what we do. We've got a whole team of people that are either part of our company or that we work closely with starting at the beginning of the project. Make sure that the design, the plans, the flow, everything is exactly what our clients are looking for in their next home then build right. That says a lot about it. It not, does indeed. Not everybody does. Uh, we really pride ourselves in not cutting corners, making sure that we are providing input to our clients in terms of what are the things that we think make a great home different from just a good home. And at the end of the day, if we can have a client live well, which is the last tag, part of our tagline, that's what it's all about for us. Uh, you know, our favorite part of the job is when we get invited back in for dinner. We get cards from clients. We even because we don't really have show homes. We're not doing sub developments out in uh, you know out in the burbs where we've got a model home. Sometimes we need a house to show a prospective client, and the fact that we've got so many of our clients that will just give us the door code or the key, let us walk in, say hi to the dog, tour the house, and then lock it up behind us is really what what it's all about for us. That is definitely a testament to the relationships that you've built with your clients. That's amazing. I mean, amazing. I, I would say that the majority, uh, in my opinion, the majority of people out there who have been through a new construction project, I feel like a lot of times haven't seen the builder since the project was completed or spoken to them or anything like that. I, I don't see a lot of builders, in my experience, that have that sort of... Um, open line of communication with with past clients. I think that's great. Absolutely great. Yeah, usually by the end of it you're hearing the complaints. Yeah. <laughs> well, <You know>? and, <laughs> and I didn't grow up in 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 the industry. So I had a 20-year tech career 
but I always almost was like a, a closet architect, you know, going back to my days of playing with Legos, right? And when I got into the business, it really was a result of the first house that I kind of got involved with for my family building back in 2003, where we started working with the builder at the framing stage, mm. making changes to the spec home plan that they were going to do, picking out all the finishes. And it's actually a builder who's on the tour, Brian Schmidt. And I learned a lot from him just in terms of how to manage client expectations, how to create a really winning partnership over the course of construction. And to us, it's really about communication. How do we set expectations? How do we communicate with the client throughout the, the course of the project? And then afterwards, how do you take care of them? What tips would you give a potential client who's looking to hire somebody like you or, or, or any remodeler or any builder? There's always that... Uh, notion that you know what you're doing you know you've watched you've watched enough tv shows uh some diy channels and some you know real estate shows i i know how to handle myself and then they kind of get into this uh marriage like you put it earlier in new construction you know you're, you're dealing with somebody for months and months and months and months through a very arduous project uh project and uh, a lot of different components of that how what 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 would you say to a potential client that that maybe they're not standing in front of you but somebody listening that would hear what kind of advice would you give them to ensure that they have a successful project yeah you know i i just read an article talking about building a home or remodeling a home is one of the most stressful things you can do and the stress it can even put on your your family right your your relationship your marriage to us, and we talked about it earlier in the show, make sure it's a good fit. And and you know if it's a good fit or if it's not. Both we know if the client's a good fit for us, and I think the client can tell if we're going to be a, a good fit for them. If you get the feeling it's not, it's not worth it. Even if they build great homes, even if their budget fits for you, if the fit's not there, that's you know kind of the first sign. I think a second part of it is communication. Understand what the communication is going to be throughout the process, who you're going to be talking with, how often you're going to be talking, if you've got questions, how are those going to be received and responded to, um, and references. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm surprised at how many people don't ask for references. We always supply them. It's important for us to make sure that you can talk to people who've been through the process that our new perspective clients are about ready to go through. Um, that, I think, is vital. And, you know, budgeting. Um, just about everything we do is fixed-price bids. Hopefully, that's going to avoid any type of unexpected cost or scenarios or upgrades that you always hear all these horror stories about. Yeah. Change order. Change, change order. order. Change order. Yeah. I watched this show. It's this guy. He's, a, he's actually a builder from Oregon. And uh, he, he operates this racing team of these, like, monster truck things. I don't know. And uh, the name of his uh, race team is Change Order. Change Order. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm sure sh- that's a good marketing I mean, tool. No, it's definitely not. <laughs> I just feel like that's uh, – I wouldn't want to hire that builder. Yeah. Somebody who prides themselves on making their money in change orders. Yeah. Yeah, we, we try to get – 
just about everything specced out before the project starts. So we love it when we know what appliances are going into the house, what the tile and surfaces and flooring package is, what the light and plumbing fixtures is, because then we can have those all budgeted for and not have to come back and say, oh, you picked out a hardwood floor that was a lot more expensive than the one that was in the budget. Yeah. Change orders are never fun, and, no. and if we can avoid them, we try to at all costs. Well, Eric, thank you so much. I know you got to get going. Uh, we appreciate you coming in here. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, it's OregonHomeworks.com. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being with us. All right, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, more with Tony and Corey. Don't go away. Welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. A special thanks to Eric Thompson with Oregon Homeworks. Uh, spent a few segments with us. If you didn't catch it and you want to hear it, you can go check out our uh, podcasts. We're all over uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and there's one more. Google Play. Google Play. There it is. Yep. So you can go check out our podcast there. Or you can go to YouTube forward slash WW Home Show, and we put all the video podcasts on there. So we've recorded this, and it will be uploaded on there. Uh, so you can go watch that or listen to it there. And all of our videos are up there. So we'd love it if you subscribed and followed and liked our videos and left really weird comments about Tony. Yes, absolutely. And if you have any questions that require a little more direct attention, of course, you can email us at weekendwarriors at par.com. Weekendwarriors at P-A-R-R.com. And we are happy to help wherever we can. Wherever. 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 That sounds like one word. Yes. Wherever. Corey, we need to talk a little bit about the project that you have uh, begun preparations for. Now, you haven't actually done any demo, but you have pre-ordered some of the uh, finishes that you're going to be installing in this project. So let's start by you introducing the project that you're going to do. And then uh, let's talk about, you know, maybe talk a little bit about a timeline. What would a project timeline look like for this type of a project? Yeah, that's uh, we have a couple big projects going on that, that we're going to be starting very soon in our home. Uh, we're going to be remodeling our uh, bathroom, our first bathroom in the hall, which is uh, kind of our guest bath. Kids use it. It's kind of the everybody's bathroom. And we're also remodeling our master bathroom. The hall bathroom is going to be kind of a just a quick and easy. We're going to tear out the current uh, vanity that we have in there, uh, which is weird. It's really short. It's it like, is short. It's like 30 inches. I thought it was just me because I'm tall. I thought that's why no, it was short. We, uh, it's short for my wife even, and my wife is is pretty short. But uh, yeah, it's um, um, we're going to get a brand new vanity in there. Uh, we're going to tear out the floor that's linoleum. Uh, we're going to tear out the original 1967 toilet that's in there. 
that's uh, that I think it's about twelve gallons per flush. I <laughs> yeah. think, and uh, and it's a tiny bowl. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, like about the size of a cereal bowl. Yeah, I the, feel like you, <laughs> it's not that small. <laughs> it, it's old. It's tiny. Uh, we're getting rid of all that, and we're just gonna do a new floor. We're gonna do half inch hardy backer down on the floor and put a nice uh, ceramic tile, something maybe a little bit modern looking down on the floor, and a new toilet. And we're actually going to, with the new vanity, we're going to put on a new uh, quartz top. And I think we're going to paint everything white in there. We're going to use white, uh, the white cabinet. Uh, and then we're going to put on some white subway tile on the walls. And that will uh, join with the floor. And I think we're going to do like a, a quarter wall or a half wall on the tile with like a, a shelf or a ledge tile on top Ooh, of that. Interesting. Okay, okay. And... Uh, It'll just make it nice and new and clean. And white on paint the rest. White on white on white on white. No, it won't be. Yes and no. I mean, we're going to try and make it, uh, you know, a little bit here and there. But we want to stick with something a little plainer in there, you know, but but more elegant. It's going to look like a subway bathroom when you're done. <laughs> Man, kind of. Okay, so I don't want to. I don't want to get lost in the details too much. But there's a few things you didn't talk about. You did not mention. Uh, what your plans were for a faucet, or you didn't mention plans for a sink. I assume you're replacing the sink. Um, you talk a little bit about the toilet. You're going to get a new toilet. Are you going to get an elongated bowl toilet? Yes, Or are absolutely. you going to stay with the large cereal bowl kind of? No, we're going to get, uh, a, I feel like the normal toilets these days are the elongated bowls. I think they are too. That's. I feel like, I don't know, that's not a trend, I don't think, in my opinion. No, I and don't either. The other, the well, other thing uh, about the toilets that are in there is they're really low. Uh, I mean, they're, it's a comfort level thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's a comfort level thing. I feel like this, the toilet size that you have now is meant for small children. <laughs> and once you are no longer- I get what a, you're saying. No, once you're no longer a small child, then you need to you need to step up to an adult-sized elongated bowl. Yeah. Yeah. No, and that's, that's where we want to be. Have you given any thought at all to- um, like an eco flush or something that uses um, less water or a smaller tank or, or something along those lines? Well, so yes, uh, there are the new toilets that are on the market today use far less water. Like we will use, you know, like a gallon and a half of water compared to the, I literally think it's three gallons or four gallons or something crazy that flushes that toilet that we have now. Uh, but the smaller flush, but they use, they combine it with air and actually have some like a pressurized, you know, power flush. <laughs> really? <laughs> they, they, they work way better than even the old toilets. You know, when the first series uh, or I guess the first era of the new low flow flush toilets, the water uh, saving toilets came out, they were terrible, right? Everybody, nobody wanted them because. They wouldn't flush That's at all. That's the problem. Yeah, they were terrible. It, it was not doing its primary function, which is to empty the bowl <laughs> of all of its contents <laughs> after use. Yeah, that, yeah, the primary function. Primary function, and they were terrible. At that. I don't care how much water I'm saving. If that stuff's not going away uh, when I flush it, so that's 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 important. You know, there's there's actually a funny uh, Seinfeld episode about that, <laughs> where, where Kramer goes. I think it was more about the showers, though, the low flow showers. And he was selling on the black market around their apartment building the high flow shower. <laughs> Interesting. Anyway, funny episode. But uh, yeah, the, we're gonna go with the new toilet, elongated bowl, soft close lid. 
You know, no more oh, in the middle of the night will yeah. my will my children slam the lid on the toilet, uh, waking the whole house up. Also, of course, I'm sure you'll be going with a plastic uh, seat as opposed to a wood seat. Yes, yeah, the uh, soft clothes plastic. It is seat. a little bit more money, but uh, no, not much. A wood seat eventually will drive you crazy, and you'll have to replace. Well, it. Well, so I had to replace the wood seat on the toilet in our master bath. I didn't want to because we're tearing it out in about a month. Yep. Uh, but I had to because it had broke. And so in the interim, I had to go buy one. And, you know, a, an old school round wooden toilet seat was $7. Really? $7. That The wood just gets cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. I know. It was like yeah, it was like six ninety five. They should just stop making it. The, uh, the elongated bowl plastic soft closed lid toilet seat was like 40 bucks. Yeah, I think 30. Yeah. 30 to 40. They had some really nice ones. And you can actually buy like bidet ones. Oh, yeah? Like the actual lid, the toilet seat is a bidet. Interesting. Yeah, I don't think we're going to go that route. But nah, they're nah. available. It might be nice to try it for a while, see how it goes. Uh, but yeah, that we're doing that. And then uh, all the hardware will be brushed satin nickel or brushed nickel or satin nickel, whatever you want to call it. And uh, we're going to get a new single faucet. We actually had this discussion because we're getting the quartz countertop cut and with an undermount square sink. And we had the discussion with the guy at the countertop place uh, just the other day. And he says, well, how many holes do you want for the faucet? And I was like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Sure. I, I, I didn't even think of that. And I said, well... I think I want two handles with the faucet in the middle, so three holes. And my wife was standing there, and she's like, absolutely not. You know, the kids right now, we have the single faucet in the middle. They know how to use it. And why would we change from that? And I, it's a good thing she was there because I would have told the guy the wrong thing, and they would have cut the wrong thing, and then I'd be in trouble. You'd have to retrain the kids on how to use hot and cold. Well, it makes sense, you know, because they, when you have to turn on cold or hot, you know, they turn on hot, and then it gets too hot for them, so you got to have that mixture. Right. But my thought was that, you know, they brush their teeth, you know, they just turn on the cold, and they don't have to worry about it, but... They already know how to use the single handle. Well, we had to learn how to use those individual handles when we were children. True. And here we are. Yeah, we, we made never, it. We never burned off <laughs> Some our faces. scalded hands. <laughs> I do have something very interesting I want to talk to you about. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you about it in the next segment. Though. Okay. Well, we, we might have a, another special guest on the studio, though. And uh, I think I'll let you know. Okay, sounds good. We're going to take another quick break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. You're listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for sticking around. Today we're talking with Eric Thompson We with uh, Oregon Homeworks. And uh, he's building a house, or he put a house, into the Tour of Remodeled Homes, which is coming up very soon. If you've never been on the Tour of Remodeled Homes, it is a tour of homes, <laughs> usually, usually about a dozen or so, uh, that... Uh, builders from our area will submit to the Home Builders Association and the tour, and they choose the best from 
all this big group of, of homes that people have submitted. And what they do is they, they give you a driving tour that you can go in and see the work and meet the builders and look at the quality and really get inspiration and talk to the people that did it. And if you're serious about looking for uh, a contractor or a home builder or remodeler, this is the time to do it. Yeah, you can actually buy tickets uh, at the website. I think it's um, remodel Port- RemodelTourPortland, maybe? Yeah, RemodelTourPortland.com. RemodelTourPortland.com. You can get tickets there, and they, they'll send you a little book with these addresses all in it, and you can pick and choose which addresses you want to go to and what homes you want to see. There's pictures in there. You'll see some inspiration at that point. But then you get a chance to go out to that house, and the builder will be there, and he'll have some of his team there, and you'll be able to go in and get a one-on-one ask some questions, um, get a feel for how things go, and kind of maybe um, picture what it would be like to trans- to transport or transform your space in the same way that, uh, that they did. And it's a very cool opportunity. Have you been on the tour before, Eric? No, I haven't, although we are awfully excited to be part of the tour this year. Um, we've had houses on similar tours in the past, but the HBA does a great job on these tours. They're the, the same organization that does the Street of Dreams yep. every August for, for the listeners that have seen that. And this is really a Street of Dreams, if you will, of remodeled homes versus yeah. new construction homes. And, uh, you know, the, the data out there is showing that people are staying in their houses longer and longer. And so you've got these uh, baby boomers that traditionally would be maybe selling their house or downsizing, but they're deciding to stay in their house. Yeah. And you've got a lot of people that are looking at remodel, making things maybe accessible, and really just updating, you know, those brass fixtures from the 80s, you know, maybe (laughs) need a little refresh, right? (laughs) The popcorn ceiling. Yeah. We This week, we've got a little joke on our show. If if you've got more bright brass in your house than the local high school marching band, it might be time to remodel. (laughs) Can't get rid of some of that stuff. You have more popcorn on your ceilings than your local theater floor. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> time to remodel. You time guys are making re- this up on the fly, aren't you? Uh, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> mostly. Yeah. There's some good. There's some good. Uh, some good little jokes out there about remodeling, but but the tour is great. Corey and I have been and and broadcast the show live from the tour many years in the past from different locations in different houses, and some of the things we see there are absolutely amazing. We love to do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's coming actually, up March 14th and 15th. So right. it's a couple weeks away. So make sure you get those tickets now. Yeah, get those tickets. It's, it's a great thing and a great opportunity for some motivation and some inspiration, and and you can learn a lot for sure. Yeah, you know, unlike a a car, when you're car shopping, you can go down to the dealership, and they've got model cars that you can actually sit in. You know, houses are different. It's not exactly like you can just knock on somebody's door and go in and take a look at their house. And so here's an opportunity to see, I think, 13 houses wow. of yeah. all sorts of different vintages and styles and see what people have done to bring them, you know, up to speed. We actually had Robert Wood with Mountain Wood Homes on last week, and he has a home on the tour this year. And he actually talked about how some people come in there and they actually look at the before pictures online and they say, my house looks like that. So if you can convert it to this, then, you know, I, I, I can do it. I, I can understand and see what I want. Because it's really difficult sometimes visually for people to look at a space and see what it could be, you know? Uh, uh, I think it's uh, this inspiration. 
Yeah, for the sh- from the show is. Yeah, and I, you know, there there really are no new ideas out there, right? You know, we're we're all seeing things, whether it's in a magazine or anymore with with services like Pinterest yeah. or House, and where we've got clients coming in with all sorts of pictures, and we have them ourselves of different things that we want to uh, execute in our next project. Yeah. And, and so we're really borrowing from people who've done some really cool things and applying it to our projects. So you're putting up thousands and thousands of feet of, of shiplap? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, we're, not, we're not necessarily your shiplap builder or remodeler, no. So. Me neither. Huh? You and so many others out there that have seen that, uh, that has I don't, passed. I really trend. don't want my house to look like a fancy barn. I really don't. Yeah, that's. I'd say we, we get in trouble for the saying this, but yeah, we really follow more the uh, Marie Kondo, right? You know, less is more. Really uncluttered, clean lines. I think that's really the hallmark of the modern homes and the mid-century modern remodels or restorations, as I like to call them. That that we work on. Well, let's let's talk really quickly about the project that you did for the tour uh, this year. It's a uh, mid-century modern. Absolutely. It's uh, so mid-century modern was really coming out after the war. You had all of these people returning and you had these this modernist movement and the architecture that came out of that uh, resulted in, you know, the ranch style homes and the split levels. And then the stuff that was a little more advanced was what I would call mid-century modern. And our project in particular is what's called a rummer um, for those people that might know what that is, but uh, they're typified by uh, flat roofs, vaulted ceilings, tongue and groove on the ceiling, slab on on grade concrete floors, and really the the most uh, recognizable feature is this centralized atrium that the entire house revolves around in floor to ceiling windows where you walk in the front door, you're in an atrium, and then you can turn in any direction to go into bedrooms, an office, a kitchen, a family room, a living room. It's 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 pretty neat. unique. Yeah, there's almost a cult-like following of these homes here in Portland where supposedly Bob Rummer built about six or 700 of them back in the 60s and 70s. And they are modeled after a developer down in Northern California named Joe Eichler, who built about eleven thousand of these houses? So they, oh. yeah. So they were really initially designed for a California climate. Yeah. And uh, when we got into this project, there's a lot of things we had to do relative to just making the house comfortable before we made it cool again. Right. I mean, you talk about um, remod any remodel project. You know, we we talk on the show a lot about uh, green building and you know building. Efficiently. Efficient, yeah, efficiently. And it's probably it's quite a bit different when you're taking an old home like that, especially like a rummer, when you have a lot of windows, a lot of probably single pane windows. Absolutely. Two by four walls <laughs> with old rock wool insulation that settled down to the bottom. <laughs> not much insulation at all. <laughs> and yeah. you know, utility bills on these not uncommon for the ones that have not been updated. Four or five hundred dollars a month during the cold winter months, just to keep them heated. So uh, yeah, that's quite the task. Let's talk about that. I know we we don't have a lot of time in this segment, but you know this house that you guys remodeled for the tour. Let's talk about what sort of things had to go into that uh, to update it. We really took it down to the studs, and by that I mean new wiring, new plumbing, 
new insulation, new double-framed windows, and then we got to start with the cool stuff. So we buttoned it all up with sheetrock, and then really for us, these projects are more about honoring the original architecture because the architecture is great. Some of these people who design these homes are, you know, Hall of Famer type architects. How do we gently honor that while at the same time adding modern amenities that people are looking for today? Yeah. I want to hear a lot about that because some of the newer trends, you know, that modern, the modern movement or architecture is, to me, it's very difficult to pinpoint. Yeah. Because especially in the Pacific Northwest, everything's kind of like a mixture of modern and rustic and, you know, I don't know, Northwesty. Yeah. More about your rummer and the tour of bundled homes with Eric Thompson. You listen to Tony Core, your weekend worries. We'll be right back. to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Today we're talking with Eric Thompson with Oregon Homeworks. He's got a house this year in the tour of remodeled homes. It is a rummer house, and I'm very curious about this. We've been talking a little bit about the architecture and you you took this house from down to the studs and rebuilt it back up using all new materials, uh, m- very efficient materials, double pane windows. I'm assuming. Um, let's let's talk a little bit more about that project because it's it's gorgeous. Looking at it on the website. Ah, thanks a lot. We had a lot of fun with this one. Again, you know, supposedly there's some six or seven hundred of these houses around Portland, and they truly have a following. There's a Facebook page called the Rummer Network. And as we've got more and more involved with them, we actually have clients calling us, wanting us to do the work when they find their dream rummer. It's one of those things that when these houses go on the market, they go quickly. And, uh, you know, because of the demand, they, they sell at a premium. But really, we, we take a look at these projects as how can we restore them back to the way they were originally when they were first built but use some of the modern products and techniques and finishes that we have today. So maybe as opposed to a Formica countertop, put in a great, really clean slab quartz countertop, Um, as opposed to literally the faux walnut paneling that they had on the walls, (laughs) right? Yeah. You remember that. You know, how can we put in some great smooth texture drywall that's in there? And fortunately for us, there's a lot of really cool fixtures, light fixtures, plumbing fixtures that are very era appropriate. And again, it's really important for us not to try to go in and redesign the floor plans, but rather maybe how to take an extra bedroom and turn that into, which we did on this particular product project, a mudroom, which is really in demand here in Portland and something they certainly didn't build originally in 1967, yeah. a master walk-in closet. And the closets, most on on a lot of these older homes, are really tiny. Four foot. Yeah. Yeah, four yeah. by four, right? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's barely enough for me, let alone my wife. <laughs> and, uh, and a home office, which is what we did on this particular project to really add kind of modern functionality to this great, great, grand old plan. 
Let's talk a little bit about some of the finishes uh, in, in probably more like the trends. Uh, one of the things that we, t- we talk about is trends. We like talking about those on the show. Uh, but I've noticed recently a lot of my builders doing level five smooth wall. And I actually mentioned it to Tony and he'd never even heard of it. He's like, that's crazy. Everything is orange peel. I said, well, it's kind of getting away from that. Is that what you're seeing? I mean, you just said that you were doing a smooth wall on, on this project. Yeah, we probably do smooth drywall on 90% of all of our projects. And I think that really comes hand in hand with modern or mid-century modern homes. Um, And it's just really something that's cleaner, more uh, linear, you know, uncluttered as opposed to the orange peel. It certainly takes uh, different craftsmen in order to do it and do it well. But the final product, I think, really accentuates what we're doing with the rest of the house. That's very interesting. I feel like that uh, for some reason in the back of my mind, way back, I had convinced myself that the reason why orange peel or textured walls were popular was because maybe the same reason why people use textured sealant or caulking on the outside of the house, because it kind of hides, uh, you know, maybe areas that aren't absolutely perfect. You cannot get away with a mistake on a smooth wall interior of the home. You simply can't. It has to be perfect. And really modern design and architecture, not just the drywall, but the whole house. We don't put in crown moldings and really tall baseboards and a lot of trim around doors and windows. And so all of the framing, all of the drywall, all of the finishes, all of the paint become really important premium items that go into these houses to make sure that they finish out right. Yeah, you would think that it's uh, by not putting in those items, you're saving money, but you're kind of just shifting that money to more premium <laughs> labor, quality things. labor. One of the things I've seen, materials, yeah. and I don't know if you've seen this, is uh, the the flush base trim. Have you seen this? Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool where, as opposed to typical typical baseboards sit out proud of the wall. Mm -hmm. But what we do in those instances is we will stop the drywall about five inches from the floor. We'll put a channel uh, on the bottom to give it a nice clean look. And then you put a baseboard in that's the same thickness as the drywall. And so you really just have this single plane where the drywall doesn't stick out proud. And you just have this really cool straight channel between the drywall and the baseboards that's getting into, you know, the people who really appreciate what they're looking for. We don't do that often, but you know you've got somebody that uh, knows what they want when they ask for that. It's a very cool look, and from my understanding, talking to builders like yourself, it is not easy to accomplish. It doesn't sound like it would be easy uh, to accomplish. It's actually quite a bit more expensive because there's so much involved in creating that perfect channel. That's interesting. I, I, I have not seen that by the way, at all in any application. Uh, but but I do we do see a lot of this now taking place on the exterior siding with panels and channels, and then, of course, mixed up with uh, some stained wood that's maybe vertical um, or something like that. That sort of very modern yeah. uh, style is really cool looking. I, I think it's great. We actually brought on a whole new um, spectrum of products in order for contractors to be able to accomplish that task. But um, I feel like that channel base mold would be pretty awesome to see. Yeah, it's you're exactly right. It's very similar to what you've seen on these big panels uh, with the channel on the exterior of houses. 
what are some of the, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about the siding, but are there any other kind of trends going on in the siding world that that's kind of follows that modern uh, look? Yeah, I think, you know, really our approach to modern is less is more. And so a lot of times you might see a house with three or four or five different exterior finishes or oh, yeah. even three or four or five different colors, interior colors or tiles or things of that nature. We tend to follow the approach of a single paint color throughout a whole house, a single slab across all the counters, uh, consistent cabinets, which really important, you know, for us are these things that they would have been using back in the 60s, things like walnut uh, flat panel cabinets or oak, uh, white oak, things of that nature. And on the outside, we really love to go with, uh, you know, one great finish from a siding. And then as you talk about, Tony, maybe some vertical tongue and groove cedar uh, with a great stain color to, you know, accent uh, uh, tying together windows or a front door or things of that nature. Yeah, it's a really cool look. Another thing that I noticed when we were looking at the pictures of the rummer that you did for the tour, we saw the painted uh, fireplace that was in like the center-ish of the home. Uh, very very mid-century modern. Looked really cool. I'm wondering if that was existing and then maybe you did some tuck pointing or something and then went in and, and painted it or what was the condition of that brick before you started? Yeah, so the whole house when we started was 100% original with the exception of new paint that they had done over the years and, and replaced some carpets that they had done over the years. But otherwise, this house was 100% original. Wow. Including the fireplace. And again, one of these elements of rummers are the vaulted ceilings. And so you have this probably 16, 17 foot tall brick fireplace that goes all the way to the ceiling. Uh, in a previous paint job, it had been, and I think this may be what you're alluding to, kind of this lime green color. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, we we got rid of that and, uh, you know, kind of cleaned it up with just a white paint that matched the rest of the walls and the homeowners have done a really cool job of decorating it with furniture and art to take place of that color. Oh, wow. Yeah. With interesting. The lime green. Very interesting because that, it, that's that piece there is so focal and, and uh, really tells a lot about the time frame that that home was built. I grew up in a house that was built in 40 and uh, it, it, there was a lot of brick, big old brick fireplace in the center of the house and uh, it was amazing. I mean, I, I love memories of that home, growing up in that home. But uh, the look was great. It really, you did it a great service by taking care of it that way. Well, and hopefully we gave a nod to the to the lime green because that's the color of the front door on the house. <laughs> and so for anybody <laughs> yes. coming on the tour, uh, it, it will still be there to greet them. And I think you mentioned something really interesting, you know, houses built in the 40s. Uh, a lot of times we get involved in looking at remodels uh, of older homes, you know, built pre-war. And a lot of the technology out there, foundations and things just haven't held up as well. But houses that were built after the war, typically great foundations, great framing, great bones, and they're ideal candidates for, for remodels. And they're the probably the funnest it's to do. A good tip too. Yeah, it really is a good tip. I, I, I'm is, you're making me want to run out and buy a rummer and then call you up so we can get some you know some of, of what I think is amazing <laughs> inside of my new house. Well, we've done four or five of them. We'd lo we'd love to do one. Okay. <laughs> okay, we got to take another quick break. When we come back, more with Eric Thompson and Oregon Homeworks. Listen to Tony Core, your weekend warriors. Don't go away.
to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. When it comes to big or small projects around the home, Tony and Corey have got the know-how and the answers to make your life just a bit easier. Here they are, your Weekend Warriors, Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. I'm Corey Valdez. And I'm Tony Cookston. Thanks for tuning in with us today. We've got another great show lined up for you. We have another guest in the studio with us today. We've got a, a local builder. His name's Eric Thompson with Oregon Homeworks. Uh, he's got another show, or he's got a home in the Tour of Remodeled Homes this year. Oh, nice. It's coming up here in a couple weeks, and uh, we're gonna today we're going to talk to him about his project and his business and some of the things that uh, go along with remodeling. It's kind of a crazy business to be in. Yeah, absolutely it is. So, Eric, thank you so much for being with us today. How are you today? I'm doing great. This is actually really cool. Thanks yeah. for having me. We're, we're glad you're here. Yeah, we, we have so many good questions. We really appreciate you squeezing us in. We know you're busy. you got a lot going on. I mean, we had uh, what could be uh, considered a very light winter here in, uh, in the Valley anyways. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we always get asked, you know, can we build houses during the winter, during <laughs> during the rainy season? And I always tell people that if we couldn't, we'd have about half the number of houses yeah. around here <laughs> that we sure. actually have. When it so. rains half the year, you kind of yeah. But it, suck there it up. there are a lot of, I mean, not to not to take anything away from anybody, but there are a lot of fair weather contractors out there that will choose um, a maybe a different line or or a different detail of their work that they do during the uh, off season because of the rain and the cold and the yuck, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, we don't really work with them. We have framers who are going to frame year round and roofers who are going to roof year round. But I'm sure there are people that like that. That's kind of the snowbird approach, yeah, right? You know, yeah. he head down to the desert during the winter. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you, you shouldn't really paint, right? I mean, that's probably the only <laughs> thing you shouldn't do in the rain is paint the exterior of your homes but it somehow somehow we get it done no absolutely it's it's one of those things i i think uh the people who paint the exteriors are always watching the weather and we know how accurate that is around here <laughs> yeah <laughs> but this time of year they literally have dozens of jobs lined up and you get in the queue and as soon first, as we first day no rain right as soon as you get some dry weather you're you know bringing them donuts and coffee and making sure you move to the top of that <laughs> queue for sure that's a, that's a good idea donuts and coffee works for me too yeah i feel like a lot of times during these months, during December, January, February, uh, business is slower, and uh, and we get a, an opportunity to reflect or to focus on um, things other than just you know shipping fiber to the job site. But uh, not this year. The last few months for us have been unbelievably busy, crazy busy, and so our contractors are in the same in the same situation. No, absolutely. Uh, our subcontractors are busy. Our suppliers, like you guys, are, are incredibly busy. Uh, the market is strong. You know, uh, The economy is strong. Interest rates are low, and that makes for, for a good home-building business. Yeah, and we're still underbuilding, from my understanding. We're still on the low spectrum of houses that we're producing versus need. Need is still up here, and we're kind of still not quite at that, that cusp of building enough. Absolutely. I, from everything that I read, we have been underbuilding really since the recession, right. you know, back in 07, 08. And people just have not ever ramped back up, but yet population grows. And then you, you couple that with a place like Portland where you have so much 
Influx. inward migration, yeah. right? And the the chance to catch up is like really, really difficult. But there's some interesting code changes going on in the city of Portland and across Oregon where they effectively have passed laws down in Salem that are doing away with single-family zoning as we know it, one lot, one house. Oh, wow. Really? In all towns with 25,000 or more residents where you will basically be able to build duplex, triplex, or fourplex on all of those lots. So, you know, if you've got your single-family house and if there's a, you know, kind of rundown house next door, you may very well see a different type of product going in next door. Wow. You know, there are pros and cons of everything, but it's certainly something that could address the supply side of the equation and get more houses out there and maybe even address affordability. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, that uh, that's going to be interesting. I mean, how would you feel about a fourplex going in next to you? Well, that's a huge change. There's no doubt that people are going to have reservations about that, I would think. Um, you know, I don't know, the, the younger generation, right, that's coming in, they see things differently. Um the older generation, I, I don't know, baby boomers maybe, or, or even um, even Gen Xers, right, um, sort of have a, a different view about their own space and how much they need and what they intend to do with it. And, um, and I think the younger generation coming in is like, pack them in tight. I don't spend much time there anyways. Somebody else can do my lawn or I don't need one. You know, I feel like there's... It's a different anyways. With every generation, there comes to be something different. And this is seemingly, to me, one of those things. Well, you know, a lot of people refer to it as the sharing generation. We've got Uber. You're sharing your car. You've got Airbnb. You're sharing your house. And I've got a 25-year-old son. I know I'm on radio, but I don't look that old, do I? (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. Uh, Tony's got a 25-year-old daughter. Yeah, yeah. We are not that old. No. How did this happen? I definitely don't feel. never know. I definitely don't feel that old. That's for sure. Uh, Start dyeing that beard again. (laughs) (laughs) But he's got uh, a three-bedroom place and has roommates. And, you know, that's how a lot of that millennial generation is making ends meet in terms of costs are so high to buy in these big cities, especially up and down the West Coast. Well, you know, I had roommates until I was 28. Really? Yeah, when I got married. I I had roommates up until the day I got married. Wow. And then my wife and I bought a house, so we moved in together. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, you know, I there's mean, some aspects some aspects of it will be the same for different people, right? But you're talking about the majority. Yeah. And uh there I think there's more of that, like you say, that's yeah. going on now than was going on before. I mean, when I was coming up, I remember that getting buying your first house and owning a home, that was like my number one objective. I mean, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a steady job, I wanted to have benefits, and I wanted to own a home. And that's far as I was concerned coming up, that's making it, you know? And, well, and uh, you also had then, you had starter homes. Yep, starter homes right. then, it seemed like, you know, you could get a house for 100, 120, 150, and that was like the starter home. And now, I mean, you can't, a starter home these days is three to 350 to 400-ish. And what part of town is that? Exactly. How, cl- how close is that to where you work? Exactly. The commute? The economics have definitely changed here in Portland and, and really in, you know, up and down the West Coast from everything that I've read. Yeah. Um, but, you know, getting back to that point about building a duplex or a triplex or a fourplex next door, I think in the burbs, 
very different. You know, the, the suburbs are single family focused and then big apartment complexes. But the, the inner city, the infill market, close in northeast, southeast Portland, North Portland, places like that, if you look traditionally, you had single family homes right next to garden apartments, right next to duplex and, and triplex. So the zoning kind of did away with that over time, but they're kind of coming full circle and there's a lot of people who think it's really good for the diversity of the neighborhood. So and I can, well, that might push a lot of people into remodeling. Yeah, I can already tell this show is going to be a good one. I'm super excited about it. We got to take a quick break. When we come back, more with Eric Thompson and Oregon Homeworks. This is a Tony Corey, your weekend warriors. Don't go away. Show built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us. Hey, if you haven't already, go check out our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, our Pinterest. handle is Pinterest. We're at WW Home Show. You can check us out on our website. It's WWHomeshow.com. Or you can go to par.com, click on the Weekend Warriors link. Uh, you can also watch this podcast. We're we're recording this right now. We're putting it up on YouTube, so you can go check that out there. Uh, thank you so much to Eric Thompson. He's in the studio with us with Oregon Homeworks. Before the break, we were talking about density inside the cities and how they've changed some of the rules. A lot of uh, a lot of people are probably thinking that they're going to get a house torn down next to them in a, in a duplex going up. That's kind of already been happening a lot, I feel like, but now it's going to be happening even more, you're saying. Yeah, Absolutely. I th- and it's interesting. It, 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 to a certain extent, I think it's a little political, right? You've got certainly people who don't want this happening next door to them. They don't <laughs> want new construction. They definitely don't want added density. They don't want renters, quote unquote. But by the same token, there's a lot of housing activists that are trying to figure out how exactly do we house affordably all of the people who want to live in Portland. Right. And and especially the wage earners. You know, we're talking about the people who teach our children, who protect us, the first responders. We're talking about people who work in grocery stores. And unfortunately, the way the market has gone here locally, they can't afford in many cases to live in the areas in which they work. And so coming out of Salem, coming out of the city council, I think we're seeing this approach to adding more density in the inner city areas so that we can get more affordable housing options, whether for purchase or for rent. And you're really seeing this in a lot of other big cities where they're facing the same problems that we have here in Portland. Well, it's like you look at any situation like Portland, you're limited on the square footage that you have. I mean, you're literally limited by the dirt. And when you have not enough dirt you have to take a, a small piece of land and somehow figure out how to put more density on it. And that I guess that's condos and apartment buildings. But, you know, I, I, I guess that's a that is the only solution. It really is. And you, like you said, you're tied to the areas where the people are working. And so as as the area that people are working in fills up and there's not more dirt there, 
then they're going to have to travel into that space, which is going to cost them more money to live. And uh, so they have to find something that's less expensive. They can't just go out and buy a $250,000 house or a $300,000 house. Maybe they're, they want to be in that area. They want to work in that area and they have to commute. So they're looking for something that's less expensive. Yeah. And if, if you think about it, if you could live in a great close-in neighborhood and you work there and maybe you don't have the traditional four or five people in your household, people can live in a two-bedroom, 800-square-foot home. And if that's an ADU in a backyard that is sold as a condo, or if that's part of a duplex or a triplex that's built in a really high-demand, active, accessible neighborhood, I think those are going to be really interesting options that haven't been available both to young people as well as we, a lot of our business at Oregon Homeworks is people that are downsizing. They're getting out of their big house, probably out in the suburbs, moving into the city where they can walk to the grocery store, the coffee shop, maybe be close to their kids and their grandkids. And that's a big chunk of what our business is, this infill space. And we're excited to see the new code when it does become a reality later in the year, start working with our architects to come up with some really cool plans that will you know, add these smaller, more affordable, higher density product in uh, these really cool pockets of Portland. I'll tell you what, I have to say this, I throw this in there. I'm super uh, impressed about one thing that I'm hearing from you. You haven't said it specifically, but you're saying it. Um, and it is how in tune you are with the needs of the consumer right now, right? You're saying, uh, I have consumers that need this and they need that. And we are supplying that because that's what's there. There's, there's so much of just, I'm building a house or I'm remodeling a house or I'm doing this thing that is not surrounded by all of the detail that is what's needed by the person spending the money, right? And so if the person spending the money is not telling the people providing the service or the product what they really need, then they're just not communicating. They're not getting what they really absolutely have to have. And I can see already just or hear from what you're saying that your number one thing is find out what the consumer needs, what my client needs, and provide them with that specifically. Yeah, and it's not maybe exactly the question you were asking, or maybe there wasn't even a question there, Tony, but when people ask me one of the more important things if they're starting a project, whether it's a remodel, whether it's new construction, to me, yeah, we've got to have the basics. We need a plan. We need to know what the spaces are that you want. We need to know what what budget somebody's working in. But really, I think there needs to be a relationship with your entire team. Your team includes the general contractor, the architects and engineers, because you're going to be married at the hip with these people <laughs> over the next several months, yeah. right? And so, you know, shy of your spouse and your family, this is the most important relationship you're going to have going on over the course of that project. And first and foremost, it needs to be just a great fit, both for the contractor as well as the client. Yeah, we've heard before from contractors that say, you know, people, uh, you know, potential clients are coming in and interviewing them, but they're also getting interviewed, the client. And not every builder is going to agree to do work for you as a client if if you're not the right fit for them. Because not every builder wants to deal with, you know, Certain people. It's just the way it is. There's a lot of space 
between contractors that choose the jobs that are right for them and contractors that will take any job that comes their way. And it's this both scenarios are taking place right now. Contractors out there that don't have work and need it badly and will take whatever comes their way. And contractors that because of their reputation and because of the service and product that they provide are able to choose the projects that are right for them and the relationships that are right for them. That's a great place to be. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things, and I think you learn it over time, right? You need to figure out what your niche is, what your specialty is. And for us at Oregon Homeworks, that's really become modern design, really streamlined, great architects, working with uh, architects and designers that know how to deliver that clean, modern aesthetic, and working with clients who really appreciate that. And we've traditionally been new construction but as our business has evolved, we've been able to transport that into what I say, you know, mid-century modern, these houses that were built in the 50s, 60s, a little bit into the 70s that are really cool. You know, think of what you saw in, in the old Mad Men uh, yeah. TV show. And that's really become one of these areas that we've specialized in and that has can it's kind of come full circle, right? And to me, it's that definition of, what's a fad versus a fashion, you know? <laughs> and I'm kind of wondering all these modern farmhouses, Joanna oh, Gaines, you know. Oh, man. That's going to run its course. But uh, a lot of these mid-century modern designs, modern, really clean, simple, uncluttered, I think that's something that's going to, you know, live on. And, and that's the niche that we've really carved out for us. Basically, anything designed by Michael Brady. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, <laughs> architect Mike, Mike, Mike Brady. Brady. Yeah, do you know that they're actually doing a TV show where uh, I think HGTV or somebody like that bought that house, and they are doing a reality series where they are going to <laughs> remodel it exactly like it was in the studio set. That's so a, they they bought. I want to watch that. Yeah, I do too, for sure. That I, sounds like I a don't great like watch. watching those shows, you know, typically the HGTVs and the DIY network shows, I don't typically like watching those because they're so far from reality. And I want to talk about that a little bit too, but I will watch that. Absolutely. I, we, we actually looked at some of the pictures of the home that you have on the, on the tour. And uh, I was intrigued by what I saw. And I, I loved the, I loved the preservation of a time that uh, is still appreciated today. So we're going to talk some more about that when we come back. You're listening to Tony and Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll be right back. Listening to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Thanks for staying with us today in the show. We've been talking about the tour of remodeled homes coming up in a couple weeks on March 14th and 15th. You should go check that out and get your. Uh, get your tickets for it and go uh, tour those houses. There's 13, and they're all in the uh, Portland area. So remodel Portland, remodel tour Portland, remodel tour Portland.com. Yes, sir. That's where you get your tickets. All right. So, uh, Tony, I promised you a special guest. You know, we've already had a special guest in the studio, but I promised you another one, and it's somebody that we haven't talked to 
in a while. Yeah? You know, it's it's going to be amazing. Are you ready? I'm excited. Let's bring on the mystery guest. I've got uh, Mr. Barbecue on the phone right now. What? Pappy? <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, Pappy, I've missed you, man. How are you doing? Oh, I am doing great. I am so happy to talk to you guys again. Well, I'm you. I'm happy, happy to, to talk happy to you to talk. again. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what. Since we talked last, um, I we my family had a get together, and um, we served some of your um, most amazing. Uh, Pork, what was it? Barbecue pork. Um, barbecue pork. Barbecue pork. And uh, I'll tell you what, it was an even bigger hit this time than it was the first two or three times I did it. What an unbelievable crowd pleaser that barbecue pork is. It, it just absolutely does not disappoint. I tell you, it, it's so easy. And and when it's, it's, it's easy to make. It's an easy thing to put together. It's that sauce. It's, it's that sauce. sauce that actually makes the difference in what that is so and it's also getting the right piece of meat that's the big one well i'll tell you, you what it was tender and it was plentiful and it was just so uh, amazing and that sauce is on point there's no question i mean you literally yeah. feel like you're sitting in a chinese restaurant and you're dipping that fresh barbecue pork into the red sauce and a little bit of mustard oh. and a little bit of sesame seed and uh yeah, yeah every single bite's amazing yeah. yeah, and it's so funny. What's with the sesame seed? It doesn't really have a flavor, I think, but it adds such a, a such a unique thing to it, and it it changes the whole thing. I know it it's really does. <laughs> I don't know what's up with sesame seeds. It's kind of like quinoa, I think, but uh, yeah. I, I do love me some sesame seeds. Yeah. So you guys seeing outside right now? It's nice and sunny, and it's six. It's nice and sunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's gorgeous outside. It. I mean, it's February. Something yes. February nineteenth or something twenty ninth February twenty ninth yeah <laughs> and uh, and it's sunny outside I don't know what's happening here in the Pacific Northwest right now I I know it I know it would go perfect with this weather right now well tell us about it we want to know I think a pork belly on the smoker filling the air full of beautiful pork smoking in the daylight would be awesome. You know, I have got to confess something. Uh, as many dozens of times as I've heard somebody talk about pork bellies, I have never eaten a pork belly. You will – well, if if you like the pork tenderloin barbecue, you will flip over this. Right. I mean, you guys, I, I am not kidding you. We'll have 10, 15 people over. We'll have uh, uh, pulled pork. We'll do – kind of a prime rib or whatever. And we'll bring out literally 10 pounds of bar of this uh, pork belly. You guys, every single bite will get eaten on top of the other food. Wow. It's so good. Yeah. So what we're going to do, you can get these now at cash and carry. You can get them all over a couple of years ago. You couldn't find them anywhere, but you can get them now. Cash and carry carries them, which they're now smart saver, I think, or something like that. But, you go in to buy a whole slab. They're uh, probably a foot to 18 inches wide by probably two feet long, mm -hmm. maybe two and a half feet long. Uh, you don't have to cook it all at once, but season that thing up. You don't have to touch it. You want to leave the fat on there. Season that thing up. Put the smoker on 250. 
let that thing smoke for about five, six hours. You're going to get a nice smoke flavor on it. Don't cover it. Don't do anything. Get a nice uh, smoke on it. Then we're going to pull it off. We're not going to actually try to make bacon out of it. We're going to keep it kind of in a, a fresh side. Mm. So when we take that off, we're going to uh, let it cool a little bit. And then we're going to slice it and we're going to make probably half inch to three quarter inch cubes. Mm. And we're going to chop that up into little tiny dice, diced uh, portions. And we're going to set it on a baking dish or a baking rack. You want to make it nice and flat. You want to make sure there's, there's no, nothing standing on top of each other. So you got to set them in there nice and easy. And so then we're going to crank the barbecue up. Uh, if you got a green mountain, you can go to 500. Triggers uh, 350 or 450. Um, and then what we're going to do is we're going to make a mixture of brown sugar, maple syrup, maple syrup, and that red chili sauce. Mm. And we're going to mix that all together and make a nice, nice kind of gooey liquid form. Then we're going to literally go piece by piece. Don't go shortcut on this. Go piece by piece with a brush or a spoon. And you want to, you can add a little cornstarch to it also to make it kind of a little bit thicker. But we're going to dab each piece of meat. Every piece of meat is going to get this coating on there. We're going to throw it back onto the smoker. And it doesn't matter how long it goes, as long as your smoker's doing the work. It might take a half hour. It might take an hour. It doesn't matter. You can't burn this stuff. We've already taken it off the smoker, and you're going to sit there and let that turn into candy. Mm, that you're going to caramelize. Amazing. All that sugar and brown sugar and everything is going to sit on top of that piece of meat, and you can do it every – You can you can if you have extra, you can still just keep slathering it on as you're doing it, and you're going to create this perfect crunch. And you're going to bite into this soft, tender piece of pork with this candy coated outside with the sugar, the brown sugar, the maple syrup, and uh, the red chili sauce. So it's got a little spice to it. And you guys are going to go crazy. Absolutely go crazy. That uh, that sounds absolutely wonderful. That sounds like yes. it sounds addicting is what I'm thinking. I'm it imagining is. being extremely stuffed by the time uh, that plate is empty. You guys cannot imagine the amount you can make and how much gets eaten. It's like the barbecue pork. You, you just can't stop. You just can't stop. But I will actually, I tell you what, I will actually make this for you guys. <laughs> and I will actually find a time to get it to you guys since you haven't had it. And I'm telling you right now, you guys will flip over this thing. It is just <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. Just listening to you describe the food is is abs it's making my mouth water and i'm not just saying that it literally is that sounds amazing i know we should it make really a video of it we should video the whole process Ooh, it sounds okay, amazing. you guys you need the time and place let's do it now you're talking do now it. that is uh absolutely that would be a prime piece of video right there yeah all right pat we got a place we'll do it we got about a minute left why don't you tell everybody uh, all of yeah. our listeners about pappy dogs and what's going on there Got it. Well, we've hit a couple home runs here lately. Uh, we now stretch from Northern California up to uh, Southwestern Washington. Uh, we just took on the CK Markets, which are under three different brands. They're under Ray's CK Markets. And uh, I can't think of the other one. Uh, I kind of got caught on short notice here. But um, so they have 42 stores uh, in some of the what uh, uh, I-5, 
and the coastline going down into California. Mm -hmm. We are in the market of choices up here, the World Foods, uh, Barber World Foods, the one down in the Pearl District. Chuck's has been kicking tail for us up in Vancouver. Uh, we've got some restaurants. Stagecoach out in uh, Chowdale, had, they're doing great. Um, they're selling probably 100, 100 hot dogs every two weeks out there. It's, 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 it's great. That's great bar, nice. great tavern. Uh, the golf course out here in, in uh, Oregon City, uh, Stone Creek, has been selling them. They had a phenomenal year with us last or this past year. And in fact, we just dropped off 11 cases out there uh, last week for them to get ready for spring. So, Amazing. Um, we're up to about 65 stores right now, and we've got a bunch on the horizon. Well, that sounds delicious. If you're in your area, go ask your local grocer for a happy dog. Yeah, they're amazing. All right, thanks again, Pap, so much for being with us. That's all the time we got. You're listening to Tony Core, Your Week in Worse. We'll be right back. Home Improvement Show, built by Par Lumber. Now, here's Tony and Corey. Hey, welcome back to the Weekend Warriors Home Improvement Show. Thanks for staying with us, and thank you so much to Pappy for giving us that pork recipe. Man, I am serious. We're going to have him over, and he's going to make that for us, and I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be full. <laughs> we'll have to do that. And maybe some uh, DIY projects on how to eat pork or something. I don't yeah. know. We'll come up with something we'll good. We'll have to eat between each of the videos that we shoot. we got to have sustenance. Yes. So much energy required. So uh, anyway, before that, we were talking about my bathroom project. And we didn't really get through it all. I no. Mean, we, we talked about a lot of the things, but I still have questions. Well, I've got two projects. No, I know. I know. But I really, well, let's finish out the one that we're talking about. Um, we were talking about the guest bathroom, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we talked about the sink and the countertop and the floor. Uh, we talked about the toilet. We talked about the new shower. Is the shower, is it a shower tub combo? So in the hall bathroom, we are not touching any of that. Okay. There's a, there's a tub there that's in great shape. It's a cast iron tub shower. It's got glass doors. It's a newer uh, glass door enclosure. Uh, we're leaving all that. Okay. Because okay. it's in great shape. Uh, really, all we're doing is flooring, wall tile, toilet, and vanity, countertop, and that's it. How about the exhaust fan? Are you replacing the exhaust fan? Okay. Yes, we are. And the reason, and you probably know this, you've used our bathroom, uh, it's very loud. <laughs> it is indeed. It's, it's extreme, because it's 100 years old. Which, actually, it's not. It's only about two years old. Really? Yeah, I bought that brand new fan. The other fan that was in there... And this is funny. I've, t I've said this on this show before. Uh, the original fan that was in there had no exhaust pipe going up to the uh, the roof deck. Right, it was just exhausting it into your Right into attic the space. attic space. Nice. All that moisture, all of that smell, all that was just going right into the attic. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. Absolutely. That's a, that's a major oversight. So, uh, and that fan was toast. So I tossed that thing and I got a new one. Uh, and, and it was an inexpensive one because I kind of knew that we were going to remodel that bathroom at some point. So I am going to get uh, like a Whisper Quiet, uh, you know, Panasonic or something like that. And I'll, I'll, we will replace that. Have you given any thought at all to putting in an exhaust fan with a heat lamp? 
Um, no, it's something I, I see pretty commonly in uh, in bathrooms. You know, it's kind of cold in there. Yeah, I don't know. I'll look into it. Will Just you? for you, I'll look into that. <laughs> even though you don't ever shower at our house, I'll look into it for you. The kids well, might I'm thinking enjoy it. I'm thinking about the kids. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking about the kids. Do you have heat? You have a heat register inside yeah, of that heat bed. Register. Yeah, perfect. Uh, but there was one thing that I wanted to talk to you about because uh, my the current vanity that's in there is only 30 inches tall, which is really short. Mm-hmm. Uh, the new vanity is going to be 34 inches tall. And my five-year-old already has a hard time turning on the sink to wash his hands. So I don't want to discourage him from washing his hands, obviously. And then, uh, you know, when he brushes his teeth, uh, that's going to be a problem as well. So I was thinking about, I got to design or figure out some way to create a step stool that isn't necessarily always in the way. Always in the way. I don't want something that's always sitting there or tripping over or gets moved to another room. It's definitely that bathroom is not big enough to just have a step stool hanging out in there, just like chilling in there. Exactly. So you definitely I, need something that's a, a hideaway sort of stool. So here's my thought. I want to have something that when you open the cabinet doors, it either rolls out or it flips down somehow and creates a step stool for him. That's a great idea. That would be a that would be a super great um, video to shoot too, a how-to video for installing, I mean, there's everybody that has kids has got to be having this exact yeah. challenge, right? I'm going I, to design one, and uh, we'll I'll run it by you and see what you think, and maybe yeah, maybe we'll shoot a video on putting that together. Yeah, I'll tell you what, there was a stool, there was a, a swing down stool or step, I guess you could call it, in the vanity cabinet in the home that I grew up in. I, I the home I grew up in, I was about five through high school. And um, and I used that little step all, all the, way the time. High school. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm six three, so I, I didn't need it in later years, but I definitely needed it as a youngster. And uh, it definitely, I, I have vivid memories of using that stool to get to the sink. So it would be very helpful, no question. That's a great idea and, and a great project. I'm excited about that. So that does pretty much wrap up the guest bathroom. Yeah, the but, guest bathroom. But you said you were also doing another bathroom. The master bath is a whole different animal. We are shredding that thing to the studs. Um, there's a lot going on in there because I've made some decisions in there because when you walk in, uh, to the left, there's a pocket door, and to the right, there's a pocket door. Uh, when we first bought the house, it was open in that middle area, and that was where the vanity is and the lights, and the sink, and it was open to the bedroom. Interesting. So every time somebody had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, which happens all the time, you'd click that light on, and it would... Light up the whole bedroom, Yeah, it was ridiculous. So before we moved in and got all new carpet put in, we, you and I, went in there and framed that area in to create one large master bathroom. Right. The we po- installed a door. Yeah, the, essentially. Built a wall and installed the door in the middle. So there's a pocket door to frame to the left and a pocket door to the right. And one to the one to the left goes to the toilet shower. And the one to the right goes to my closet, which is about six feet by six feet, mm-hmm. maybe seven feet by seven feet. It's not terribly big. Um, but to the left, that bathroom, that pocket door broke about six months into living in our house. So <laughs> it has been broken for years. Oh, brother. And when you break a pocket door off inside the pocket, there's no way to fix it. Right. You, you can't just reach in there and put the thing back on the track. And uh, one of the wheels had broken off. So 
we're kind of stuck there. We'd have to cut a hole in the wall, fix it, and put it back together. We didn't want to do that. So we're actually just going to get rid of that door altogether. And what's funny is the shower that's in there is one of those pre-made fiberglass, you know, shower stalls with a little sliding glass door that rides in its own little track. 32 inches by 32 inches. Exactly. (laughs) Very small one-person shower. It's 32 by 36, Mm -hmm. and it's really small. But directly behind it is like a dead wall of like 10 inches of just dead space. Interesting. So uh, our vanity in there is really small as well. It's 48 inches. So we wanted to make that bigger. So I said, well, we've got an extra 10 inches right here. We'll make this work, and then we'll I'll make the vanity 60 inches, make it five feet. And then I was able to gain a couple more inches on our shower, and we were going to do all tower, all, all tile. But now that's changed a little bit. I'm going with a cast iron uh, shower base. It's a the shower pan, I guess. You sure, would, sure. The shower sill, the pan. The uh, anyway, it's made out of cast iron. It's essentially like a bathtub made by Kohler, and it's gorgeous. And it's three foot by four foot, so it's going to be a quite a bit bigger than the shower that we currently have. Yeah, another twelve inches bigger. The only downside is I uh, already got my cabinet. 60 inches in that thing is 48 inches, so now I have to lose four inches out of my closet. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's going to be all right. It'd be worth it to have because you spend a lot less time in your closet looking for clothes than you do standing in front of the vanity or standing in the shower. Yeah, absolutely. So no, that's I'm, I'm definitely putting the space where it needed to be anyways. I'm fine with it. Yeah, well, it's but, a good uh, choice. That's going to be really great. You mentioned something about putting a heated uh, mat under the tile. We, are you still yes, going to do that? We are putting in a heated floor in there. It's a electric mat. Uh, we're going to run a dedicated you know, 20-amp circuit from the circuit breaker in the garage all the way back to that point, have an electrician come in and do that. And uh, we're going to run that heated mat underneath the new tile that we'll put in there. And I'm super excited for that because that bathroom, for some reason, is always cold. I'm not sure how the insulation is around there, but when we tear all the sheetrock off the walls and get that all redone, uh, I'll make sure that the uh, insulation's up to snuff. You're going to have a super cozy, new, amazing master bathroom with extra space that's going to be it's going to serve you very well and it's going to be worth every single penny you spend oh man yeah the uh the wall tile we're doing wall tile on uh i think the same thing in the other bathroom we're gonna do like halfway up the wall or a third way up the wall with a kind of a wall cap um and then we're putting in a cabinet door behind the toilet extra storage because there is also dead space in that wall in that wall from the shower in the other bathroom so we're going to use utilize that space i'm going to create like a cubby with a door you know that we can store things in there toilet paper yeah toilet paper tissues and extra soap extra candles i mean who knows all that stuff that you gotta have wet wipes you gotta have it everything that's got to be in the bathroom i'll tell you what you are definitely utilizing and maximizing all of the space that's available to you it's a very smart plan and um, I'm excited to see the whole thing play out. So yeah. we'll follow through with that. Well, that's about all the time we got, buddy. Um, I'm, I really enjoyed this show. For Oregon Homeworks, Eric Thompson, Pappy, of course. You listen to Tony Corey, your weekend warriors. We'll see you next week.